0: Yes, of course, burberer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds, and I'm Roger Moore. I didn't
1: supply the microphone.
0: All right, live from the gleaming Streamline Studios, about <laughs> our radio live nestled in our secret bunker somewhere in the Los Angeles area, without our theme song behind us. <laughs> I am I'm a legendary Burl Bear. The man there is Mark C.G. Boyer, fact-checker, co-host extraordinaire, and another character is Magic Matt Allen, well-known radio hero and producer of this debacle. And on the telephone, a man on his way to find out. I don't know what he's going to find out, but he's on his way to find out. And that's, uh, I'll be there somewhere, <laughs> Dennis McDougall. Hey, bro. Are hey, you somewhere on the road between what Santa Fe New Mexico and Los Angeles no I'm up, I'm in, I'm in Santa Cruz in Santa Cruz yeah, yeah, yeah that's why I tell I, people if they're gonna listen they got to brace themselves more than Jerry's kids on Labor Day weekend <laughs> <laughs> Nicely put. <laughs> Nicely put, and the most insensitive one-liner in radio history. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There could be worse yeah. ones. Uh, Mark Boyer, our fact checker and co-host, uh, brilliantly put together a fact sheet on you, which is incredibly intimidating uh, for anyone who wants to go into journalism. Were you stunned by your uh, continued success? <laughs> you call that success? Yeah. I'm on the wrong show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, listen, you think I got I forgot to tell Bark this? I'll tell you this, too. you'll appreciate it. I, I got on a Lyft, you know, L Y F T, you know, the, like an Uber, to go get my haircut yesterday. And uh, I happened to be in North Hollywood, and I rang up Lyft, and they sent a car. As I get in, the driver says, It's the legendary Burl Bay, regular award winner, and New York Times bestselling author. <laughs> what? He says, don't you recognize me? And I said, well, I can only see the back of your head. And he goes, I've been a guest on your show twice last month. <laughs> it was famous true crime author, Jeff MacArthur. And he's okay. driving an Uber. And he's driving a Lyft. That's the way you do drive driving the Lyft. He says, money. He says, you ever drive being a true crime author? <laughs> I said, yeah, I tried it, but I don't have a driver's license since I went blind in one eye. He says, well, fortunately, I still have two eyes, and that's how I'm making money. Oh,
2: my. Well, there you go. Yes.
0: People think we're bowing. rolling in the dough. Now, you probably became a journalist with all sorts of high moral standards and delusions of income. Am I correct? Yeah. How'd you know that? <laughs> we all start off with that degree of naivete.
1: Uh, yeah yeah i i i thought uh i i thought this is this is a great way to to make a living and at the same time uh you know Pursuit bang out, bang out bon Mott.
0: yeah everyone thinks we're rich
1: Go ahead. those ladies are my readers yeah. be careful
0: what you say. yeah they get it from the library. <laughs> Yes, right, exactly. Yeah. I always love it when it says, "Oh, I'm so eager to read your book. I'll wait and get it at the library." They they still have those? They still have them? Yeah, it was a, a great for getting out of the heat. The library in Stevenson Ranch, California, is a wonderful library with great air conditioning, tons of movies, documentaries, and books. What, oh, you,
1: they actually they have, have books? A book yeah, a they actually
0: have books. I think they even had no some kidding. of mine. Wow,
1: that's uh, that's a revelation in and of itself. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. Any of them autographed? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I always like when people pick yeah. up books of mine at a garage sales that are personally autographed to my dear close personal friend so right. <laughs> and so.
1: Yeah. And they sell it for <laughs> uh-huh. fifty cents. It's, 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 I'm starting to get happens, embarrassed. That, that's happened to me. Too. That cracks me up. Because, yeah. well yeah, yeah, I thought yeah.
0: I was really close to that person.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, this is this. I'm, I'm really doing it. I, I'm. I'm doing doing a good one for this pal this time. Yeah. And and guess what?
0: Guess what? 50 cents out the door. What gets me is you do an author signing, and the guy says, please sign the book, but don't personalize it to me. And you know darn well all they're gonna do (laughs) is sell it. (laughs) Because a personalized book isn't worth as much money as one that isn't.
1: Better than re-gifting.
0: Yeah, (laughs) re-gifting.
2: Uh, I remember uh, Vin Scully, a uh, famous uh, uh, broadcaster, spent a career. Um, he, you know, he was announcing the 70th home run uh, from Bonds, if they, and um, the person who caught it in the uh, in the bleachers ran quit the stadium to sell the it ball, <laughs> right? And then he had to come back in. Through the, well, you know, the whatever, the, the, the special place where you go to get to the press boxes nice. and the special scenes. Uh, find it to give it back to Bonds. This is your history. And Vince Scully is going, what an idiot. <laughs> he said, if I caught that stupid ball, it would be on eBay ten minutes later. <laughs> right. What made you choose to go into into the Naval Reserve? Um, the Naval Reserve.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, tr- three words. Vietnam. Oh. Um <laughs> I got a nice letter um, from my government advising me that I was... Uh, 1A that's probably foreign to your audience today to <laughs> but when you got such a letter back then uh, there was a good reason to go to the nearest uh, recruiter and say I volunteer I should like to join the Navy and see the world yeah. as opposed as opposed to join the Marines or the Army and get shot <laughs>
0: Those are your options. My brother-in-law
2: received the same letter for you know before he was my brother-in-law. Yeah. Uh, and he uh, went through the exam, and uh, I don't I don't know the term they use to say rejected. 4F, 4F. I was thinking 4H, 4F. He had flat feet.
0: I no was arch. 4F wow. because I weighed less than 147 pounds.
1: Ah. Well, that's terrific. And so he's. He got up for the same reason as uh, as President Trump.
2: <laughs> yeah. So he didn't have to, he didn't uh, have to do any service. Cool. I had I have I had a cousin. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's back it up. Did, do you remember the movie Full Metal Jacket? Yes, remember one. Matthew Modine. Yep. Um. Yeah. Vincent D'Onofrano. however you pronounce it. Um. I had a, a cousin. Who literally lived the entire experience? He went through the same camp. He was at he was in Vietnam for the Tet Offensive. The entire experience was uh, just a flashback of what he did there.
0: Oh, those flashbacks are wonderful. I Had a newsman who went out to Vietnam and came back and committed suicide afterwards. No, not because he was doing my show again, but for residual effects of you know, he, event-
2: t- he eventually He uh, eventually he got shot and uh, uh, damaged his spinal cord and eventually you know in an attempt a last attempt to give him some relief from the pain and he didn't survive the operation that's a sad story 25 years later
1: well you know I mean you you asked me earlier uh, how I got into journalism well that's why I got into journalism um because, you know, 55,000 people, 55,000 men and women died needlessly because uh, the government, both Democrats and Republicans, lied through their teeth about Vietnam. And uh, lots of people died for no damn reason at all. That's yeah. I started looking around for something that I could do that I thought might prevent that in the future, and journalism was staring me right in the face, so that's what I chose to do.
0: Well, it's a good thing it lined up with your abilities, you know, because it could have been, what would have really helped is being a gymnast or a contortionist, and you would have
1: been out of luck. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it, if, I, if I had followed, uh, my true calling, which is pro- probably plumbing, um,
0: you could or, have been a White House plumber.
1: I, I, I could have been, uh, you know, I could have had a a, a summer home on uh, Martha's Vineyard today. Yeah, but uh, here I am nah. sitting in a parked car, someplace outside of Santa Cruz, talking to um, yet another. Um, um, victim of delusion.
2: Oh, another disheveled and broke another, author.
1: Another, yes, another bonehead who got, decided to make his living sitting in front of a typewriter. Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> Isn't that amazing? The true calling. Uh, but uh, overall, I mean, if you could uh, live off the money of your awards, you'd be rich. <laughs> You bet. We say, well, how much money came with that uh, uh, bestseller you got? How much money came from that award you won? <laughs> that trophy?" It's <laughs> yeah, like people well. who hawk their uh, Academy Awards. You know, you're not
2: you're not supposed
0: to. You're not supposed to, but they do.
2: I know that the uh, that the Academy, on occasion. Will send someone out surreptitiously to recover so they keep it in their archives. Yeah. Whether it
0: being uh, at Ralph's pawn shop.
2: Well, no, yeah. They, you know, their museum.
0: Hey. How, How is Ralph, by the way? Uh, Ralph's fine. <laughs> I haven't seen him for quite a while. It? <laughs> it's a fine shop, yeah. Well, you
2: know, uh, his air conditioning went out a week ago. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit closed up shop until he gets it fixed.
0: The thing I enjoy most about winning an Edgar Award was people say, why do you have a bust of Hitler on your... <laughs> 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 uh, There's no pol- Poe had a mustache. Oh, yeah, damn. Edgar Allan Poe, and he thinks Hitler. Uh, <laughs> i pondered Hillary. up in, uh, 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 Speaking of anti-Semitic literature, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we just that had a, a, best, a, a true crime, a true crime case today in the news, yeah. locally. No, as long as you're heading here to uh, the LA area, uh, drive uh, down Bracita Boulevard, they busted a white supremacist. Uh, who had tons of ammo, uh, lots of uh, uh, anti-sumption. Well, (laughs) no one would guess that. He got him on, uh, uh, the only decent thing he was doing was selling high-quality methamphetamine. The rest of it was pretty uh, unsavory. Uh, So that that was lots of uh, kill the Jews uh, material that he was handing out. And uh, how how is how is John Boyd? <laughs> he's, uh, he's doing great. He's doing great. Yeah,
2: you yeah. Uh, you spend a lot of time in in air quotes traditional newspaper journalism. You know, uh, which I think is almost uh, almost a lost art.
1: What does it say newspaper. What, uh, what 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 exactly do you mean by newspaper? Well, I'll say what, like the what, time. What, what is this news newspaper of which you speak?
2: Oh, I don't know. How about L.A. Times? Baptist's
0: time Did you work yeah, at the L.A. Well, Times when it was the L.A. Times. Yes. Yes. When when it was actually a newspaper.
2: Right. Like I said, it's it's almost a dying uh, a dying breed or
1: dying art. I, I I would quarrel I would quarrel with it with the word almost. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think the fact that the, the LA Times or the San Francisco Chronicle outsourced the reporting to Japan is one
1: of the They're first after they got bought. <laughs> or chat GPT. <laughs>
0: It amazes me. But, you know, the, uh, the difference, one difference, at least, between the way journalism and the big corporations worked in the old days, was you had cons- a very conservative ownership of newspapers that hired liberal muckraking journalists. There you go. And that was a, a brilliant combination, because they, they kept the, the, the liberal mug journalists on a leash, but they loosened the leash as long as it didn't get too close to them.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That, that kind of describes my, my relationship to Otis Chandler.
0: Yeah, in fact, you wrote a, a very important book about that, The History of the L.A. Times.
1: On how important it was, but it was a book about the L.A. Times. That's for damn sure. Uh, And I spent a lot of time with Otis. How was he? I used to to call it. I I used to call it Tuesday. Tuesday with Otis.
0: (laughs) My duty with Andre. Yes,
1: something like that. So I, uh, I don't know. I spent a lot of time with him, and I thought he was. You know, I always thought that Otis was basically um a, a closet liberal uh and um was a republican not out of choice but because uh his mommy and daddy forced him uh to sign up early because yeah. he was he was uh you know he, he might dress to the nines and look like uh Looked like a
0: stockbroker, but he had the heart of the soper. Hmm. Well, I always thought it was a, a brilliant, uh, if manipulative, combination of uh, of conservative ownership hiring uh, progressive or liberal. Yes? I thought, but see, then it changed to where the conservatives were starting to hire conservatives and the liberals hiring liberals instead of the other way around. I always thought it was a better combination to mix it up.
1: Oh yeah, well, you know, um, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a lifelong Democrat and thus have never made a dime to, um, on, on what I do ever. So I've always been, uh, instead of dependent on the kindness of strangers, depending on the conservatism of uh, money-grubbing um, members of the GOP. Uh, and and it seems to have worked out relatively well
0: Yes. well you keep having best selling books so that must help although being that I'm also in the same game you are I'm aware they're not paying like they used to no. well there is that there is um, that yes
1: yeah you kind know, of have to find other ways like driving a um, lift. <laughs> I was going to say you know um where
0: am I going to take the lessons? <laughs> you, you're already doing the job. You're driving all the way to wherever you parked your car. A good, a good
1: point.
0: Now, now I, well, I got another question. I got lots of questions for you. Uh, you can generate uh, such a great diversity of books and yet with kind of the same kind of undercurrent of investigative sleaze factor that I really enjoy <laughs> uh,
1: how
0: very kind of you yes and prescient I mean your your biography of Bob Dylan is the only Bob Dylan book I've ever read that begins with Dylan on heroin crashing the van <laughs> and I remember I I asked you on the show one time where do you get this inside information and you were revealed it was from the roadie who happened to be a connected relative yes (laughs) and I wondered if Dylan fired him after the book came out
1: oh um, I don't think well it's not working for him anymore so um, (laughs) uh, you know given the fact that apparently he's going to keep on touring Uh, up until uh, it's not a matter of of his um, not needing a roadie to set up for him so I I, I guess I I guess my source is um,
0: probably got uh, into journalism (laughs) (laughs)
1: no doubt no doubt (laughs) Uh,
2: anyway. I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you about two unrelated cases with a common theme and that is Scott Free. You, you, you covered OJ trial as it was happening. Right. And you also wrote a book about a famous child actor who uh, was accused of killing his wife.
0: And if he didn't, he should have. Oh, little Bobby Blake. Yeah. Um... They they both
2: managed to get away with it.
0: If they did it, if they
1: did it, yeah. How
2: did how did
1: they? They 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 were never found found guilty. Yeah. Well, how
2: did they how did they manage to to get
1: away with it? They committed their crimes in L.A.
0: Well, lots of people get convicted of crimes they didn't commit in L.A.
1: Well, that's true. They also have to be
2: celebrities. Um, for OJ, did the prosecution completely fail?
0: I would say so, because it was found that guilty. Well,
2: it's <laughs> other factors.
1: What do you well, think? yeah, in, in, in my opinion, the prosecution, uh, the prosecution in the OJ case uh, did a terrible job from beginning to end. And I, I know she's gotten... Um, uh, after the fact, she's he's she's been um, given a, um, a pat on the back and told stiff up her lip, and um, it was a, a woman in an all boys club.
2: Marsha Clark, right? Yeah.
1: Yes, but but in my opinion, Marsha Clark uh, just did the very worst job of prosecution I've ever seen in my life.
0: That's saying something.
1: Um, An interesting side
0: note
2: I worked uh, for a now swallowed up Savings and Loan in Los Angeles And the building I worked in Held 3,500 people Had a waterfall in the entrance In a three and a half story atrium For people to sit and relax Um, Everybody in the building froze and stopped whatever we were doing for the three or four minutes when the verdict came in. And so there would be little groups of people congregating all over the building. And as soon as the verdicts were read, you could hear the reaction within the building. And there were gasps, like from my group, ...that I happened to be standing next to... ...and while cheering... ...from other groups... Yep. ...and... ...I paused for a moment to reflect... ...since I'm relatively colorblind... Uh, ...to reflect on... ...on the perception and... ...the separation between the people within the building... ...because it was clear when you got up and looked around... That yeah. people of color congregated and people that weren't congregated and there weren't mixed
0: groups. Mm-hmm. Right. And also, the, there was actually done empirical research on exactly what you're talking about. And it says, why was it that most of the Jews were cheering and most of the blacks were cheering? And also, some of the Hispanics and Asians were cheering. And that is, those are the groups, minority groups, have learned by experience you can't trust the cops.
2: So that, that was my experience with it. When we can take a look at uh, Robert Blake, um, how did he get a, get away with it, assuming
1: he was guilty? Well, I think he had a, br- uh, he had a brilliant and underrated de- defense um, attorney. Uh, I, I also think the prosecution rushed to um, get the case in court as quickly as possible and they didn't uh, they didn't properly evaluate the evidence that they had against him um i i think again that uh, the prosecution failed miserably in the blake case not for the same reasons um but chiefly because the uh, uh, the two cops who were investigating and who were in charge of uh, coming up with the case against him didn't not um, um, looking into what people would look into today in terms of uh, the telephones um, for the stuntmen and... Well, I mean, getting as the case is concerned. But the the main thing is that they, they, had, they had Blake, but they didn't present the case and use the evidence that they had to nail him the way that they ought to have. Consider the evidence that had been presented and there just wasn't enough to... Con- uh, reasonable doubt. Right.
0: Well, that's the thing. We're supposed to presume innocence unless convicted, you know, uh, beyond right. a reasonable doubt. Anytime there's right. a reasonable doubt, you got to presume innocence.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting that um, some individuals don't either don't comprehend that concept or just choose to ignore it.
0: My experience on the 11 juries I served on. This is why they make up their mind ahead of time.
2: Yeah, there was a, I was in a mal, uh, on a malpractice
0: case. Well, those are rough. And I've been on those. I don't, I don't
2: want to talk about the details because <laughs> it still bothers me f- almost 45 years later. Um, there, we had two physical altercations. People smacking each other around, jumping over the table. You know, US, the marshal's coming out to break it up. <laughs> it like a um. Well, that's. Well, it wasn't twelve angry men. It was, you know, twelve completely discombobulated humans. <laughs> um, this kind. Because they. I like that title. That's a good title. Twelve <laughs> discombobulated <laughs> yeah, humans. New
0: title, yeah. <laughs> um.
2: The. Uh, yeah, they they wanted to help this poor woman. Despite the fact that the doctors didn't do anything.
0: Oh well, there's compassion for you. Yeah, well, you know. Usually, I run into exactly the opposite. You talk to the doctors in private. You go, the guy's a butcher. He shouldn't be practicing. You get him up on the stand. I don't see anything wrong. <laughs> um.
2: Yeah, it took us uh, uh, half a day short of two weeks. Wow. In deliberation, and I still have the letter from the judge thanking us for our service. Well, that's nice.
0: I guess when when the judge thinks the person is innocent and the jury finds him guilty and sets (laughs) aside the verdict no he didn't in the case we're writing about now he just let it go oh geez he's up to prison right
2: but you know overall I found that that people rise to the occasion and uh, uh, they go over the material and come up with reasonable conclusions and
0: cities also uh tend to ignore uh, things such as loitering laws being declared unconstitutional. Still, all over Los Angeles, no loitering. Yeah. No loitering. Uh. And it's, it's, <laughs> the Loitering laws were declared unconstitutional because it's perfectly okay for you to congregate anywhere, but made the loitering law was that what you're thinking about is illegal.
2: <laughs> oh, well, you know, that's, you know... No,
0: oh,
1: that's, a, that's what that means. Yeah, yeah that, That's, that's a, one of don't, the uh, don't, sins. Don't try, don't don't toss wrappers out of your uh, window when you're driving. <laughs> that's right.
2: And especially, you know, people. You don't want to throw them out the window. Either.
0: No, don't throw them on from the train with a canister.
2: Yeah, well, that's you know, one. Of, that's a sin in the Catholic Church. Yeah, yeah. Just thinking about it is a sin.
0: Oh, yeah, well, that's what loitering was about. Doesn't matter that you're yeah. hanging around; is that you're hanging around thinking about doing something wrong. Ah, oh, yes. And oh, uh, crimes. thought crimes. And the Supreme Court said, wait a second. <laughs> you you, now, you don't have the amazing Crescot officer? You know, what this person's thinking. You know, that doesn't work.
2: And then and he...
1: According to Alino, it does. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: well, what, is, uh, what was the first true crime book that you wrote? Angel of Darkness. All right. So you're a journalist, and you've done—you know—you haven't really done long-form fiction, non-fiction. Did you have any expectations going into the research?
1: Um, you're talking about Angel of Darkness, right? Right. right. right? Yes, yes. Yes. So Randy Kraft.
2: One of the most prolific serial killers in in American history.
1: Yes, and still alive and and semi-well to this this very day. He's uh, festering somewhere up on uh, death row in Sanford. Good old Randy. Yeah, he'll be there
2: there forever because they're not going to...
0: Not going to let him uh, out for good oh, behavior after yeah, you yeah, kill sixty seven people. They execute. They're well, going to be very.
2: You,
1: I, I think Bill knows this. I think, but I, not not a lot of people do. Uh, Randy is the only person who's ever sued me for libel. <laughs> By his
0: calling him a serial killer. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he maintained that not if, but when he got out of prison, uh, he would never be hired again because of my book. He's and right. I owed, him, I owed him $62 million. Ah.
0: So do you have monthly payment structure? Uh, did he sell I, this I, deal to you, Mr. Wentworth so we could get some fast cash? I didn't have that
1: in the complaint. Uh. Um, but I did time it. Uh, when uh, when the case came up before uh, Judge Fernandez in L.A. Superior Court it took him exactly uh, forty-two seconds to throw it out of court. The world record. I think so.
0: I bet. Uh, I bet the guy was disappointed. He was really looking forward to those millions of dollars to spend in prison.
1: Well, yeah, you know, uh, he could could have gotten himself a, um, a a nice LED um, display um, screen to. watch uh, even more murders get law and order
0: what a strange strange world we live in or at least that he lived in 67 people how did he manage to kill that Benny all at once (laughs) what period is that he he he, picked the
1: uh, he he picked the right victims he picked up um, hitchhikers uh, usually around um, military bases and uh, uh, and then toss their bodies out, outside on the freeway, fifty, sixty miles away. Hmm. Back in those days, the cops from one city didn't talk to the cops from another city, and nobody knew where the victims came from, and um, had no idea that uh, there was any connection between. Murder A in Alhambra and murder B in Huntington Beach. Well, that's
0: last week. We had a Ron Chepset talking about the Taco Bell strangler. He's murdering his fellow employees at the Taco Bell, (laughs) and no one figures out figures out that
1: it's him. Well, that's um, that's probably because it could well have been the food.
2: (laughs) No, I don't think it was the food. It was the fact that it was different detectives investigating into the each with murder and not talking to each other.
1: That's the problem. And if that's if that's the case today, nothing has changed. Really? Well, Not, uh, not, not. they, they don't share their, their cases with other people. When,
2: when I was working for LAPD, that's L-A-P-D, in 1999, um, they were building a brand new central crime database. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To keep track of all crime and cases in one place across the state uh and the, the they were haggling over the minutiae of information to be kept because the object was for people to be able to do a search and say you know uh left index finger amputated mm-hmm. and they were they were haggling over how fine a detail right so if there were you know if fingers were amputated do you want to Keep track of which digits were removed and in what order. No, yeah. it was it was very bizarre to sit in on some of those meetings. So, did they finally do it? Oh yeah, did. yeah. And it's 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 since been upgraded and replaced with more modern technology over the last twenty years. Um. So there, well, there's an, there's an attempt across the FBI, Cal Justice, and so forth, to mm-hmm. make that a little more, a little easier for detectives to enter Well, that may be what's of,
0: going on here, but I guarantee you, and I think Dennis will back me up, you travel across the United States, and you're not going to find that degree of of interagency uh, or inter-anything communication cooperation.
1: No. no. No, I haven't seen it. I mean, it, it, if in fact it works uh, here... It'd be great to get a little publicity uh, it's to to make it uh, um, make it part of the network in the other forty nine states. Because um, my experience has been that to this day, um, the sheriff's office doesn't talk to the police. The police don't talk to the FBI, uh, and.
2: All kinds of cases fall right through the cracks. What was uh, what was Randy's uh, modus of operandi? I mean, did he was he completely random, or did he target specific people, kinds of people?
1: Well, uh, well, he I, 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 he got started at Camp Pendleton and. Um, The naval base when it existed in Long Beach and uh, and San Diego, he he specialized in young um, military recruits who were newly away from from home and basic training uh, and looking for a good time. And he 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 usually laced a had a cooler of Moosehead Lager in the back seat and laced it with um, prescription drugs and um, disabled them and then had his way with them, tossed them off on the side of the road. That was he he branched out to hitchhikers later on. the type that he got well you know his victims were all young males between the ages of about uh, 16 and about uh, 25 28 somewhere along in there but um, because he was a a gay serial killer that was another reason that he got away with it because back in the um, 70s and the 80s when he was um, in the middle of this uh, the cops didn't care about, nor did the media pay any attention to um, the gay population in Southern California. So, if if, uh, if someone was uh, the victim of um, a gay serial serial killer, uh, the, the murder was designated a misdemeanor murder and got shoved in the back of the filing cabin.
0: So the victims were a marginalized group.
1: Do you think?
0: Yeah. Kind of like if uh, you watch uh, well, actually, <laughs> Nancy Grace whatever. Dead white child of the week. We're missing white child of the
1: week. There you go. There you go. White child of the week.
2: I like that. Yeah. Um, did, we, did we ever get a definitive count of the number of his victims?
1: Never. Um, it, it's ranged all the way from as little as 42. As little as 42. It's, as it's, 40. at, le- it, it's at least 42. Um, but his his list, uh, the, the so-called scorecard, his nickname was the scorecard killer. His scorecard said that uh, he done 67, but there were a couple of homicide detectives that I knew pretty well in L.A. who maintained that he was responsible for about 97 murders.
0: Now that... Uh, that's, that's a lot. Now, uh, Harold, Shipman, yeah. <laughs> Harold Shipman, Harold Shipman, with 218 probable murders and probably as many as 250. Now that guy probably wins the award. Yeah, well,
1: like like the Darwin Awards,
0: right? Yes. I mean, this guy was a doctor and he's killing like up to 250 people.
1: Well, I I, I
0: I think I if I had a handle, I probably wouldn't go to, go to his office. I don't think they uh, have like a Hall of Fame for serial killers. Although there uh, are well, people. they do?
2: It's the murder, the murder, murder website.
0: Oh, murder appealia website. Out yes, I, I do a lot of research there. I bet you do. i well, not to get caught. They
2: um, they are like um, Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, yeah. For crime. And they just oh. collect all of the information off the internet and put it in one place. So you can okay. find, you know, a hundred articles on a particular case, you know, from various newspapers and whatever, transcripts, all kinds. Of, they collect all of it for a particular crime. So it makes all the research do. I do
1: easier. What's that, Dennis? I, I, I think what we need is, is, is a uh, serial killer. Uh, walk of Fame, you know, uh, we need a sidewalk that's devoted to the biggest and best, um, but we have to come up with a good location for it, um, Palm Springs is taken, yeah, um, I have an idea,
2: how about the nearest active volcano,
0: <laughs>
2: oh good, I like that,
0: Mount St. Helens, yeah. Well, we want we want one spilling lava. Yeah, there's one in Hawaii that would work.
2: <laughs> oh, I oh uh, right, of course. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did some diving uh, um, where where they take you right up as far as they can, so you can watch the, you know, the lava
0: spilling off into the ocean. How about From Pedro my- Lopez? Have you heard about that one? Uh, no, has he got a taco truck? No, Pedro Lopez. deranged killing spree is terrifying enough, but perhaps even more terrifying is the fact that his whereabouts are unknown. A native of Colombia claims to have raped and killed more than 300 women across Colombia, Ecuador, and Peru. At least 100 were native women. In 1980, the monster of the Andes was arrested and led police to the graves graves of 53 victims between the ages of 9 and 12. He was found guilty of murdering 110 in Ecuador, confessed to an additional 240 murders in Peru and Colombia, and was declared insane. And he was released in 1998 for good behavior.
2: Okay. You, how, you know, I, I can't tell you what I did this morning. <laughs> yeah. How do you keep track of 300 individual murders? Well, it's someone
0: with a well-organized mind.
2: I say. Well, you know, I want to talk about something
0: truly
2: disgusting and sleazy.
0: Yeah, well, Hollywood. Hollywood, yes. <laughs> well, we've got the right guy on the phone today. So, you,
2: you wrote yeah. a lovely little tome on on Lou Wasserman and MCA. What were some? Did, yeah, well, was anything? Did anything really jump out and surprise you? About what? About uh, about, you know, the how uh, Hollywood operates. The studio system, accounting. Well, is there anything that you went, I, I don't believe, I just, that this is what is true.
0: Something that really shocked you?
1: Hmm. Well, I, don't, I mean, if it, it shocked me, um, I mean, disgusted me, I'm not sure that disgust and shock are in the same uh, category. Uh, I Hollywood is a a rigged game Uh, there's something shocking it's hard hard to believe but uh, it's quite difficult to break into Hollywood um, unless uh, you you pay off the right people in the right way Um, we we can uh, look at the recent case of Harvey Weinstein to give you some idea of how it operates uh, I I don't know. I, Hollywood is uh, Hollywood is cesspool. It's um, well. It's, one thing
0: that MCA did that was good, that I know of, is MCA bought Dunhill. <laughs> And when M.C.A. bought Dunhill and went through the paperwork, they discovered that Dunhill, the guy who was running it, had put a gun to the head of our friend P.F. Sloan and had him sign away all of his royalties Under that if he didn't, they were going to kill his parents. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> and that's and how M.C.A. did business. not want to be associated with that. And so upon acquiring Dunhill, they retroactively gave uh, Mr. Sloan uh, his royalties back. <laughs>
1: Well, that's that's the the fact that he got his royalties back is amazing in and of itself. The royalties, the 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 royalties of everybody from um, from um, the Four Seasons to Little Richard are. Invested somewhere in the Bahamas, courtesy of the mob, and have been for, for decades. The music business was built oh, yeah. on, on the idea of talentless thugs exploiting the crap out of people who knew how to carry a gun.
0: Well, even the Beatles, when they were doing Beatlemania when they were in America, they had collectively made a grand total of $500. Wow! Under yeah. contracts. <laughs> well, you done.
1: Um, well, I you think can go they go ended train up training. doing. They doing ended okay. up
0: being multimillionaires, but at that time they'd only made five hundred dollars.
2: I, I, th- I think I ah. think Paul was in the neighborhood of over a billion.
0: By yeah, now. well, Lennon when he died was four hundred fifty million. I bet Dude, Ringo's doing wow. okay though. Those guys are still pretty active in their eighties. Like Mick Jagger's on tour, and still jumping all around.
2: Well, um from uh direct contact with Ringo and his traveling all-star band yeah that he's uh he's truly a really good guy and fostered a great sense of family and togetherness on the tour
0: yeah well, a, everyone I know who knows him this is a nice guy I only talked to John Lennon once and uh, that was a horrifying experience not talking to Lennon but the situation where he's his story is bedded for peace You'll appreciate this Dennis I get a phone call from a guy saying uh John Lennon's going to be calling me during his bed in for peace to support my peace church. I said, what the hell peace church is this? It was a porno theater in <laughs> Seattle that he's trying to get tax exemption for by claiming it was a peace church and oh. it was a giant scam.
2: Oh, There's, uh, there's definitely a peace on the
0: screen. <laughs> it's a peace on the screen. And, and I always, I always wondered what I meant to give peace a chance. Yeah. Um, it would be a real chance if I got a piece. So anyway, we yeah. we go to this guy's apartment, you know, you're old and decrepit. which was up, up several flights of stairs in his old apartment building. Uh, and they give us tea, which was laced with some psychedelic drug without telling us ahead of time. I didn't care <laughs> as the walls began to move and someone started putting up paisley wallpaper that wasn't there before. But, oh, good. but my buddy John who uh, abstained from all such things, was rather disgruntled. But the worst part was, and I'm going to have a content warning here for those who are sensitive to words. I'm on the phone with Lennon, and our host's wife says, say hi to his Jap cunt wife for me. I don't know if Lennon heard that or not, but I heard it. And he wanted me to take this tape of our conversation and give it to the Helix, which is a uh, local alternative uh, newspaper to support his peace church. I was so pissed off that I went outside and I took the tape, and threw it down Madison Street in Seattle, and rolled the tape, rolling out you know miles down the street. Yeah, good well, luck to the uh, to the minister there, his peace church at the Porto Theater. <laughs> Did I,
1: do you have anything
2: new uh, you're working on?
1: Uh, I just finished uh, I just finished a, a biography of a, a fellow named Steve Steve Wynn.
0: Oh, did you get to interview any of the Wynn girls?
2: Steve Wynn. Um, my, uh, my nephew uh, worked at the Golden Nugget uh, some 25, 30 years ago. And uh, he said Mr. Wynn was truly a nice man. They, play, You know, even though he was just, you know, the regular staffer, you know, you want to play, you want to round of golf with me? And they would go play golf.
0: Huh. What was your experience?
1: Um, my, my experience with, uh, in terms of writing the biography, or uh, or, or the man, did you? Uh, once many years ago, when he uh, blew up the um, the Stardust to replace it with Treasure Island, um, my experience is that you know he's, uh, he, I, he's a, um, a very slick um, and confident and well educated. Uh, Casino owner and operator. Um, and at one time was the single most powerful man in Nevada.
2: Yeah, do you ever take a tour of the of his
1: art gallery? The one in the Bellagio?
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I, I was there a few months ago. It still operates, but not with his stuff.
0: Yeah, When, uh... when
1: the MGM... Bounced him in 2000. Uh, he he lost most of the institutional art that uh, his company owned to Kirkorian and, and MGM. But then he, you know, he got in the bug by then and was became a big time collector. So he, he's now got a um, got a shop in uh, Palm Beach right down the street from Mar-a-Lago and still sell stuff on, uh, over the internet. actually,
2: um, did he, did he,
1: uh, uh go blind? Oh, he went blind years ago. Mm-hmm. He's got retinitis. Peg Ben mm-hmm. Um, and his vision's progressively gotten worse for the past 40 years. Right.
0: That's no fun. I don't know. I'm, no, I I, had, uh, I lost the retina on my left eye. It became detached, and stupidly, I I didn't go to the hospital right away. I gave someone a ride, and that was just long enough for the uh, what do you call called damage to uh, set mm-hmm. in, and so I lost most of the vision of my left eye. But they did do surgery on me, and and as they're wheeling me into the operating room, I grabbed the surgeon's arm and I said, "Wait." The said, Doctor, it's important. Tell me, will I play the violin? He said, do you play the violin now? I said, no, but I was hoping.
1: <laughs> 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 I, no, but you, you can play the snare drum. <laughs>
0: hey, you oh, put a dear. comb and a piece of tissue paper. that work.
2: I was in my early 20s, and for whatever reason, uh, my, my tummy was hurting me. And uh, off to the. Wait a second!
0: And, your
1: your tummy? Yes. Yes, his belly.
0: My,
2: well, I was a kid.
0: He was a kid, Kids and had uh, for
2: whatever reason, I was. They wanted me awake while they were, you know, shoving, you know, uh, uh, a, a gigantic hose up the
0: wazoo. Uh, <laughs> you learned and to so love it.
2: I'm, I'm facing the the monitors like the doctors are. I'm watching what's going on. And, you know, a certain distance in, I go, oh, my God. And they stop. What? It's a semicolon.
1: <laughs> oh, Did they so buy you reason, dinner They
2: first? didn't think it was funny.
0: They didn't think that was funny. I thought no. it was
2: funny. <laughs> I thought it was hysterical.
0: <laughs> so you finish up the... what? So what's with Steve Wynn now? I'm going to Vegas in the end of August to get together with Travis Webb and finish up the Saint novel that, fortunately, I copyrighted, except for the final chapter in 2016, before Paramount acquired All Rights to the Saint. Ah. So I have copyright on it. So that should be interesting.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah, wow. I would think so, yeah. Um, I'll that out. But- uh, Well, you,
0: I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I just saw, uh, I haven't been into the, uh, the wind there in, uh, in Vegas.
1: Oh, well, it's uh, still um, ha- happy to take the money.
0: Good, good. But I did know a couple of working people who were wind girls. Uh-huh.
2: Oh, you did. So, yes. it, it's interesting, Pearl, you know uh, a, quite a plethora of working girls. Yes,
0: I do. That is because uh, I have often handled advertising and promotion for them. And mm-hmm. as Chacey Lane once said to me, I do barter. And I said, uh- I don't. that <laughs> 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 unlike you, my dear, I can't pay for your advertising with oral services. <laughs> I take cash. We've been friends ever like since. Gonorrhea? Yeah. Uh. See, they had a Bonita Saints there in Vegas. You know what's so weird? They have the AVN. That's the uh, adult video uh, whatever it is. Yes, adult, well, adult video news. Yeah. Uh, the big convention in Vegas. And you'd think that the people who are in the Hall of Fame that they would give them free tickets, right? They don't. I had to finagle to get Bonita Saint into the AVN, and she's in their Hall of Fame. Weird.
2: I'm sorry. Capitalism, you know.
0: That's like them not letting Mickey Rooney into the Oscars, you know. I mean, not now, because he's dead. But it used to be, when you watch the Oscars on TV, they always showed you Mickey Rooney in the audience. I don't
2: know.
0: Well, you not be- so much anymore. No, not they, now they just hold up a picture of him and wave it from the back of the room. <laughs> 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 and you, know who else, you know what, what, what celebrities don't get, uh, be, get to be like on Hollywood Squares yeah. or on uh, The Tonight Show? And that's authors. You notice that? Or disc jockeys. <laughs> well, you, you know the old... Thank you, Dennis McDougall, for visiting True Crime Uncensored and now Radio Live dot com